We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. The motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time. And you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Garage Beers! This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is our 25th episode. We're joined by yet another special guest. We have got Cleveland hockey legend from the Lumberjacks, Jeff Christian, joins us in the garage. Jeff's going to talk to us about his time coming up in hockey, his time with the Lumberjacks, and he's going to share an awesome family story, an inspiring family story about his daughter and her foundation. All of that, plus our Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome everybody into the Garage Beers Podcast, episode 25, quarter century of the Garage Beers Podcast. And we got a fun one. Uh, we're bringing some Cleveland nostalgia, some Cleveland hockey nostalgia to this podcast tonight. We're going to bring our special guest in in a minute. But before we get to our special guest, we're going to throw it around the horn. As always, I am Michael Keefe. You can find me on Twitter at Garage Beers Mike. Uh, over on the east side of Cleveland, Chad Meyer at Garage Beers Chad. What's going on tonight, Chad? Guys, do you love it when your wife like asks your opinion on something and then it just circles back to like doing what she was going to do anyway? Then you're just kind of like, why did I, why did you even ask me? <laughs> like, but then she gets mad at you for not having an opinion when it was just going to, you know, we were just going to do what she wanted to do anyway. There's a name for that, Chad. You know what it's called? It'd be marriage. Marriage. It's called marriage. Yep. That's it. Shit. Mm -hmm. Shit. Shit. Yeah. 
always give her the yeah. opinion of the yeah. thing you don't want or don't like because it'll then she'll end up picking the one you do like it's great it's reverse psychology ah okay <laughs> it's only it, it's only been a couple of years so i'm still getting the hang of this thing i'm still oh, right. i'm still getting the hand of hand of the hang of yes i'm still getting the hang of yes dear keep working on it so chad's trying to figure out yes dear on the east side and then normally down in Nashville, Tennessee, but joining us up in the Cleveland area at his uh, childhood home, Joey Whalen at Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. What's going on, Joe? I can't believe we're already at 25 episodes. Oh, tell me about it. I feel, I feel like that's the first <laughs> kind of like uh, somewhat big milestone. We that's pretty crazy. And people still listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's weird. the best part. Really weird. Super weird, <laughs> yeah. but I love it. Very appreciative for everyone listening here and uh, for the uh, 25 uh, episodes that we've had so far. So uh, having a good time. Yeah. Well, we love it. We, we're getting 25 and here's to 2,500 more. Let's keep going. So now it's time for us to bring in our special guest. And we're really excited about this one. Like I said, it's, it's going to bring back some Cleveland hockey memories, some nostalgia. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun uh, because we've got a legend from the Cleveland Lumberjacks where, listen, I know Cleveland had the Barons, the NHL. They, they've had a bunch of other. And now the Monsters build an awesome team. But when you think of uh, awesome Cleveland hockey, the Lumberjacks, and the years that they had, uh, was just an awesome time and a great representation. So uh, a Cleveland Lumberjacks legend, any, I mean, he also played for the Penguins, the Devils, and the Coyotes, but a Cleveland Lumberjacks legend uh, had a total of 236 points over the span of four seasons with the team and really one of the best players in Lumberjacks history. We're really excited to bring in Jeff Christian. Jeff, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm actually in the garage now. I, 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 we talked about it. I'm such a boomer. I can't even figure out how to change the back <laughs> thing here, but I'm in my garage and uh, I'm really happy, really excited. I love talking about Cleveland Lumberjacks. I love Cleveland. Uh, you know, I spent some good years there. So it's great to meet you guys. And thanks for having me on. Oh, we love it. We love that you've dedicated now, Jeff, yourself. I always ask. I, oh, go ahead, Chad. Oh, I, I always delay. ask athletes this, Jeff. Like, Sorry. Sorry, I always ask athletes this, Jeff. Well, you know, because not many of them stay here after playing here. What you know, because you live in the Columbus area right now. What what made you put down roots here in Ohio? What made you decide that you wanted to stay here? Well, you know, honestly, I, I never should have left Cleveland. Okay, so um, I I played for three years for the Lumberjacks, went to two other teams, came back to Cleveland, and then I signed and went over to Europe and made my summer home in Cleveland. But I'll tell you what happened was in the summer of 04, I went up to Putin Bay for the first time. Okay, I came to Cleveland in 94. I'd never been to Putin Bay. Wow. Hayward, the, the legendary <laughs> Rick Hayward would always tell the stories about Putin Bay, but you know, I never went. I should have when I was, you know, single. But anyway, my wife and I went up to Putin Bay and we bought a house on Putin Bay for the summer because we're like, well, we're going to Europe. Let's live. Why are we living in Bay Village where we can live in Putin Bay? Well, it only lasted one year. I ended up signing in Youngstown, but I never should have left Cleveland. Love Cleveland, and um, so many great friends. I still get up there all the time and golf and hang out. And uh, and you know, every time I get a chance to come to a Monsters game or do something with the Lumberjacks, I'm there. But um, my my wife was from uh, grew up in the Columbus area, and so we came back here uh, seven years ago, back to Ohio. And I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, so it's close to home. I can get home, so it's great. I, I love Ohio. Love. Cleveland. So when you come back to golf in Cleveland, where do you golf? 
Uh, Sweetbriar. Um, what's that? What's that other one called? The the the, the course there. Legacy. Well, that's the Sweetbriar. Oh, is it Legacy? Is it Legacy? Yeah. yeah. Legacy's at Sweetbriar. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. So those yeah, two. Yeah. But I mean, I'll, I'll golf anywhere. Um, you know, uh, Mike Wilson, who's in the Cleveland area still, we yeah. got together a few times this summer golf, and he picks the course. It's usually a little bit south of Cleveland, but anytime I get up there, I, but I love Big Met. Like, I'll go, I'll go play Big Met every day of the week. I'll go out with, um, with, uh, with anybody and play Big Met. I love it. All right, well, Big Met is approximately 32 seconds from my house. Uh, <laughs> it is a stone's throw from my house. What, so, what, what would that be like? A, a wedge? What are we talking here? Four iron? What are we I mean, it's. I mean, for real, especially <laughs> considering the downhill, because you got to get into the Metro Park. Right, right. Considering the downhill, it could be a just a decent driver poke, and I might be able to hit the parking yeah. lot of Big Met from maybe, here. Maybe a couple drops out of the trees for you, but. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> if I hit it straight that one time. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, one time, yeah. All, all things to keep in mind because we should probably have a garage beer on the golf course at some point. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, back in Ohio. Uh, but yeah, we definitely want to dive in to kind of everything about Jeff Christian, uh, about his time with the Jacks. But before we get into all of that, yeah. we got to get to the namesake of the show. We got to get to our garage beers of the week. So Jeff, we always let our special guests lead us off on garage beers of the week. So just tell us what you're drinking tonight. And, uh, and tell us, uh, tell, give us your rating for it. Okay, guys, I'm going to tell you, um, a couple of years ago, I went up to the island, which is, you know, north of North Bass in Canadian waters for a wedding. Mm-hmm. It was a rainy day. There's only two taverns on this, on this um, island, right? So we pull into this one, and uh, there's a sign that says, just say, uh, just say O'Keefe, all right? Or O-O-V, I'm sorry, O-V, just say O-V, Old Vienna. It's a Canadian beer. Sure. Okay. East end of Hamilton, like a rough part of Hamilton. And like my grandpa, you know, my dad were steel workers and they used to drink in these taverns. And that's what the old guys would drink. This, this old Vienna. I'm telling you guys, it is the best beer. If you guys get an OV, if you're ever in Canada, you can get an OV, get an OV. I love it. Now, look, I mean, German beers, you can't beat it. You know, I'll drink England, but if you can, it, it's like old timer steel worker beer. So just say, okay. Vienna. You know, okay. I, I feel like a lot of Canadian beers are kind of like that. Kind of those, you know, just worker beers. I, I love that. So old Vienna, we're going to, I've never had it. So I'm going to have to try so that good. out. So good. When it's it hits your, yeah. it your lips, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> And it makes you go streaking through the quad to the gymnasium. (laughs) (laughs) They'll call him Jeff the Tank for nothing. Uh, All right, so Jeff's got the old Vienna. We're going to send it out to Avon, to Joey. What do you got going on here tonight, Joey? A little disappointed. I literally just got back from Wolfie's in Illyria, and I had an Oktoberfest and a Headhunter um, (laughs) from Fatheads. Uh, And I get get back to uh, my parents' house, and I'm drinking a Truly now. Um, oh no! <laughs> but it's really good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, good. It's a black cherry lemonade hard seltzer. Uh, not exactly like the beer choice, but uh, it's tasty. You know, if you got a sweet tooth, it's a good one for you. But uh, if you got an appetite for beer, it's uh, not really gonna not really gonna do much for you. In fairness, if you've listened to the podcast a little bit, you know that Joey has a uh, has a gluten intolerance. So too many beers for Joe. 
uh, can cause some problems. So we accept uh, you going to the truly. I get it, but I, you know, I can't really quit the beer though. So it's, but your garage, your garage beer can be the fatheads. That one's fine. <laughs> yeah, we can do that too. <laughs> All right. And let's send it over to Chad, who I hope isn't frozen because his video is frozen right now. But Chad, what's your garage beer of the week? Hi, guys. Well, I have a special beer here for the 25th uh, episode of Garage Beers. I went to Dogfish Head, as you can see the dark ooh, color there. Ooh. But I went to the home brewery in Delaware there. It's, it's um, I forget the city name. It's in Delaware. But it is the Utopious Barrel-Aged Worldwide Stout. Now, uh, a quick story, uh, backstory about this. Sam Adams comes out with a beer every quarter century, every quarter century, every 25 years. It's called Utopias. Uh, they age it for 25 years, and then they finally decide to pour it. And so what they did was they took the Utopias barrels, and Dogfish Head said, hey, we'll take those. And they aged their worldwide stout oh. in those, in those barrels. <laughs> so you can't get this in Ohio. And I said, yeah. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> so I brought it back here. Uh, I'm probably going to be pretty hammered after I finish this because it I was going to say it, the description. The, the description it didn't even give an ABV. It said it's usually between 17 and 22 percent ABV. Well, worldwide we, stout is 17 when we when we pour it. So I'm going to be feeling pretty good by the end of this podcast. Hopefully, you guys will still be able to understand me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome beer choice from an awesome place over in Delaware on your vacation that you got to hang out with the Steffords uh, over there. So I hope that you enjoyed that, but uh, I'm going to bring it back to Cleveland. I'm going to come over to your side of town, Chad, uh, because I just saw this one in the grocery store and I love this. Uh, so I'm going to Willoughby Brewing Company, which I don't think we've had on the podcast yet, but I'm coming over to Willoughby Brewing Company, which is an awesome place. And I love their peanut butter cup porter. It is an awesome beer. I'm usually, I usually like stouts way more than porters because stouts are thicker and uh, I just like the texture of them better, but this one is awesome. The peanut butter cup porter, Willoughby Brewing Company. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup and a beer. How could you go wrong with that? It's won all kinds of awards. So shout out to Willoughby Brewing Company. Shout out to all the other breweries that we've talked about. Uh, Those are our garage beers of the week. Cheers to you guys on the garage beers and cheers to all of our listeners. And now it's time to get in to some, some hockey talk before what, we do that um before we do that yeah, i got a beer story with jeff uh, jeff do you remember getting me hammered on our first roadie on my first roadie wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute what <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, so when i was broadcasting for youngstown right uh it, our first roadie and it was a, it was a great it was it was a bus trip to uh rio rancho new mexico to amarillo oh. texas uh, back to Prescott Valley, Arizona. I've never wanted a shower so bad in my life. But anyway, <laughs> we we pull into Amarillo, right? And this and it's a place called the Big Texan. And this place is like stereotypical, like what you would picture Texan, right? You walk in, it's like the 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 hotel rooms are wood. The 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 blankets, one is like I think it's like genuine cow skin. The comforters were. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, they had free shuttle service, and I rode to downtown Almarillo with Jeff and Chris Schaefer one night in their free shuttle service. And by free shuttle, I mean you get in a limo with the longhorn, the like a, a longhorn oh, skull God. at the end of it. <laughs> so 
we go home, we, we go out down there and, and, and Jeff and Chris go, it's your first roadie, we're getting you hammered. I just kept getting beer after beer shoved down my throat. And, and I ended up back at the hotel. Like I, I, I didn't remember the rest of the night. I, like the last thing I remember was talking to a couple of girls, but I ended up back at the hotel, stark ass naked on top of this cow skin, <laughs> this cow skin bed, right? I wake up the next morning, I go, how the hell am I supposed to call a game today? So I get up, I go, I go to morning skate, and here comes Chris putting his arm around me and go, yeah, first ready. He goes, you took one down last night, didn't you? And I go, and, and in my blood. <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> so there you go, Jeff. The first night, that was out. <laughs> so Jeff, you got me hammered on my first ever roadie in sports. So that's a, it's well, a pretty good story. You know, the, the oldest thing in hockey, and my brother, God bless him, uh, got up at my wedding and said this. What happens oh, no. on the road stays on the road, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying for the record that I was never out past curfew drinking on the road. Oh, no. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry about that. Sorry I think you, that. Might also, you might also want to point out that, like, Chad was stark ass naked of his own accord by himself somewhere. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's before. And that's before I started rooming with Ermy, with Ermitinger. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, you know that big Texan, though, that 72-ounce that filet, if you can eat it all, it's free. Like, you're not kidding. Like, one, one match, and that entire motel <laughs> goes up in flame. I don't know how it has. It's, the entire thing is plywood. It's crazy. Yeah. 72 <laughs> ounces. You, you walk into that restaurant, and it has one of those. You ever been to, like, Cedar Point that has those – like you, you aim the pel- the gun at the like the yeah. little sensor, and like the guy plays the piano. He's like, Ding-ling. they had like they had one of these in there. Like it was just everything stereotypical like Texas that you think of. So you guys go kicking the swinging doors open into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I just want to know: Did you just say bus ride when you were with Youngstown to New Mexico? Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. It was this, it was basically a big semi. That got turned into a camper, essentially. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, you talk about, I got a, I played there for two years. I got so many stories. But Youngstown was, in the Central Hockey League, it was like an experiment. Like, you know, expansion team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Our closest trip was to Memphis, Mississippi. Uh, it was 12 hours. Gee. <laughs> that was the closest trip. <laughs> very regional. It was very regional. <laughs> I got my teeth knocked yeah. out. At age 37, okay, here's the story. So I got my teeth knocked out, the top teeth, originally when I was 17, all right? Got them put back in. Next year, I got them knocked out at 18. I'm in junior. I left them out. Okay, left them out. I'm like, screw it. Every time we went with the jacks, no front teeth. So I'm like, all right, I got to, at some point, get these teeth put back in. At 36 years old, I get my front teeth put back in. Oh, no. We're out in, um, where were we? uh maybe real grand valley i think it was arizona arizona you're right i think it was arizona arizona and i got the bottom four teeth knocked out like 10 games into the season i had to ride the bus home it was like 30 yeah. hour trip oh, no. and i'm 37 years old I'm, yeah. i gotta get my life together at some point <laughs> this is not working out yeah. <laughs> you know, my whole face is mangled and it's just like come on man but what am i doing with my life what am I, I, did, I didn't know how yeah, I didn't know how many teeth it was at first, but then I heard Alcum Bracco. Well, that sucks about Jeff. He goes four jibbers, eh? I go four. Oh shit! Because I think he yeah. took a stick. 
I think you took a stick to the face, right? Dude, you are you are on point tonight, man. That is good. Yeah, I I, I reached yeah. out and the guy's stick hit my stick. And of course, I gotta say, you know, I come out in the third period, got an assist, you know, pretty proud of that. Got a- <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just dumb. Just go home. Enough's enough. Like <laughs> You think at like 36 years old, you see your teeth come out and you're like, you know what? You just start taking the gear off. Like, forget it. I'm forget on. it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting a flight. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I've seen that in the Central Hockey League. Chris Richards, who was a guy, uh, Ohio State guy, lives in Youngstown. And we played together there. We, we had some good years there together. But he told me when, when I first went to the Central League at age 35, he's like, guys don't retire from this league. They quit. I just had enough. <laughs> And they just quit. And I've actually, <laughs> where guys will come off the ice, throw their gear in the garbage and leave. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But that's, it's a very, like, to be super cliche, it's just a very slap shot thing, right? Like, from the movie, that's something you just see in the movie slap shot. Like, no, forget it. I'm leaving. I I'm out of here. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've seen guys skate off the ice, quit, quit, like, <laughs> I, uh, in Tulsa. Power play wasn't going well. Coach was on him. He literally skated off the ice and left. That was it. Never saw him again. Quit. We're <laughs> a power play quarterback, dude. <laughs> nope. Done. Out. That's- well, that's when the backup quarterback done. Let's go. <laughs> so that. Oh man. All right. So I love your reaction because uh, we we usually ask our guests before they come on the show. <laughs> If they want to have a beer with us, just in case we run into anybody that doesn't want to have a beer or anything like that, we just know that ahead of time. I loved your response to Chad, which was something to the effect of, "What would you say? Like, I'm Canadian, I know beer, or something like that. Like, yeah, let's do it. We, we know our beers. That's right. Yeah, you do. Well, so, I was just going to say, so you're obviously Canadian, born in Ontario, right, right, right across the lake. Uh, uh, you were a first-round draft pick by the Devils. Second. What's that? Second. Oh, second. Well, then whatever I read was wrong. Second round draft by the devil. 23rd overall back in 88. So that was the second pick in the second round. And there's a big difference because we used to say the first rounders get nine lives. So uh, I missed that by two. But uh, I I think when I saw that you were the 23rd pick, I just went first round, not thinking. Yeah. Back then, that would have been the second round. Yeah, I, I got drafted um, after my first year with the London Knights. I was unrated the entire year as a rookie. And the last draft um, rating came out, and I think I was rated 37th overall. And the hockey news was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I literally came out of nowhere. And, and the, what I always tell, like if I do talks and stuff about perseverance and, and that kind of stuff to kids or, or whoever, I was, this is a true story. I came from a very, very small town in Canada called Mount Hope, okay? We moved out of Hamilton, moved it out into the country. It, it's wide open spaces. I started farming at age 12, that kind of thing. Wow, yeah. So I got cut from my hometown junior team, low-level junior, at age 16. I got cut. At age 17, I was drafted 23rd overall by New Jersey. So. Wow. I got caught. I went to the next town over. I played. I got drafted from there. Went to London, and after the first year in London, I got drafted. But that's wow. how quickly it can move. I got drafted. I didn't have an agent. I signed the first contract. I didn't have an agent. I mean, you like just doing so many things wrong as a business sense because we never. My dad had played pro football, but again, in the CFL, 
we didn't have any kind of idea what we were doing. Um, right. So anyways, that, that's how it started in pro hockey. And uh, yeah, just, just six years with the Devils camps, four years in the system. And then I signed with Pittsburgh and came to Cleveland. So how did that work? Like, if, like if, so if you didn't have an agent when you signed your first contract, like, did you like, did, did like your dad have to drive you up there and like sign you up for the draft? Or like, how did you get like enter into the NHL draft? That's a good question. I don't know if you actually like declare your, your draft eligible. So I think you just get picked, but I had a, I had an advisor who was the scout for the London Knights and uh, okay. stories about doing the wrong thing so many times. But yeah, a family friend who was the scout for the London Knights, and he's like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Whatever, you know. <laughs> and a great man, like a hockey guy. But when you're that close to being a first-round pick, you probably should have an agent, like, lobbying for you, politics a little yeah. bit, you know, because it, it did make a, a difference. Now, I was right before Lindros. And if you guys remember, Lindros was, like, million-dollar signing bonus. Yeah. Went through the roof. So I was like one year before that. So, um, you know, ultimately, you know, 35 grand my first year in the minors, it's, it didn't matter. But the point is, like, that's how I did it. I got drafted and I signed using an advisor. I kind of probably should have had a professional agent. I love the idea of, like, you don't even declare, like, ah, oh, you were picking Jeff Christian, and you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I was there, man. It was a great day. I had a great, great day. It was in the old Montreal forum. All my family went, my, my cool. grandparents, everybody. It was just amazing. But, again, when you're totally unprepared for it, like, nobody, right. nobody explained to me, this is how it's going to go, this is where we're going to sit, you know, blah, blah, blah. Didn't know anything about it. Nothing. Didn't even know if I was going to get picked, you know? And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, holy mackerel, I just got drafted. This is amazing. You know? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy, man. I guess I'm going to New Jersey. All right. I'm going to Jersey. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Remember uh, uh, Jim Schoenfeld's big thing was when he called the ref Kowarski a fat pig? Having- <laughs> that was the like, that was the whole era. Yes. I was there in Jersey. Like, I'm Ukrainian-Romanian, you know, uh, descendant. I was sitting with Fatisov when he came over and he couldn't speak, he could barely speak English and I spoke a little bit of Russian, very little and like, I'm an 18 year old kid and this guy is like one of the all time greatest and we're just sitting there like having a broken conversation and I'm sure Luna Morello is looking at me like who, who are you and why are you talking to this guy? Like, this is, and again, like I didn't even know anything about like, this is an all time legend you know, like yeah. world, not just, you know uh, Russia, but world you know, I was so naive. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. He was just another guy. Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. So before we get to your time in Cleveland, let's, I, I, I mean, uh, when you, when you read about, you know, being the 23rd, 24th, was it 23rd or 24th? I can't remember now. 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. 23rd overall pick in the draft. And you look at the NHL timeline, you played what? Two games for Jersey, 15 games for the Pens. And then another couple games for um, for the Coyotes. So obviously, the first thing you you know, as just an average person, is like, okay, you know, obviously you probably wanted to spend more time in the NHL uh, than that. But then you kind of think about it and you go, holy shit, you spent twenty games in the NHL. That's amazing. So you know, talk to us about that kind of that first call up to the Devils, how you were feeling, what 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 the story behind that was, uh, uh, going up to the Devils, and then. Obviously, you go over to the Penguins. Now you're part of a team that 
what what year did you play with the Penguins? Um, ninety four through ninety seven. So it was right after they. Uh, it was a couple of years after they kind of did the back to back. But you're still playing with, you know, legendary Hall of Famers. Yeah, uh, a whole bunch of them. So yeah. just kind of tell us your NHL story about getting called up and and your experiences in the NHL. Yeah. So um, here's a couple things. Like I always say, listen, you know, I I I, I got. I played 21 years pro. I saw the world. I got paid to do it. I never, I didn't get rich. You know, I'm not set financially. I was a minor league guy. All right. But I've got stories and I've got experiences and I got friends all over the world. Okay. So, you know, you look back and you're like, Oh man, I, you know, I made the devils at 21 years old and then I got sent down and you know, my life would have been so different and stuff. But I, like, I used to say this to my dad a lot because he, he was a tough guy, passed away in 08, but that kind of made me feel like I wasn't good enough, you know? Like, he was a hard-ass kind of guy. And yeah. I said, you know what, man? Like, I got a, I got a good life. Like, I, I'm doing okay. Like, I'm in, I'm in Cleveland, I'm having my fun, and I'm making good money. But I said, what if I would have made the NHL 21 and broke my leg and never played again? You know, I'm for the experiences that I've had, and I, I'm grateful for the time. So that was my, my NHL. Okay. Like recently it was funny. I, I said, you know, I'm going to stop saying that I played 18 games or whatever. I'm going to say I played parts of five seasons. It sounds like, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> whoa, really? Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. But uh, yeah, some of those seasons were only one game, right. but you know, parts. But um, so here's what happened. I, I, I had a uh, rough start to my pro career in Utica, cocky, didn't want to be in the minors, you know, thought I was going to go right on to NHL stardom. And eventually I got my head on, screwed on straight right. and I uh, had a pretty good rookie season. Went into the Devils training camp at 21, made the team, didn't get to play, got sent down. And uh, I remember I got sent down in Montreal. My dad was there. Um, that was tough, but, uh, you know, whatever. And I go down to the minors and Herb Brooks was the coach. And Herb did awesome. not like me. Oh, okay. not awesome. So I'm Canadian. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm Canadian and I'm not a really good skater. Like that skating was never my thing. Herb liked the American hockey players who could skate real fast. Okay. So Herb and I, we didn't really get along. Although I led the team in goals, he still, I wasn't his favorite. But oh. my first call up was, I, I remember this, uh, the Adirondack Red Wings in Utica, and I scored two goals, got an assist, and fought a tough guy named Jim Cummings, one of the all-time legendary heavyweights, all right? And I did well. Got called up. The next night, I'm in Jersey against the Red Wings. Keith Primo and I had played against each other in Utica, and both went up. He was with the Red Wings, never came back, played about a games. I played, like, one or two games and got sent down, you know, hardly ever to return. But anyway, um, the Red Wings beat us seven nothing that night with the Devils. That was my first game. I, actually, I got a picture on my wall over here. My first game, I was like, "Wow, that was a lifetime ago, literally." But that was my first game. My dad drove down. You know, I, I had a couple chances to score. I think I got a minor penalty, which is fitting for me. You know, hooking something. You know, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to get on the score sheet at some point. So the guys back home know you're up there. But uh, yeah, that was. Right. Was nervous and, and just is like I mean I'll tell you, even when I got up to the Penguins we'll fast forward a little bit but we'll get back to it but I remember getting up there with Ronnie Francis and Lemieux and Yager and all these guys yes 
and I, and I, I said to Ronnie Francis one day, I'm like, this is my seventh year pro. I'm in Cleveland. I'm on pace to score 50 goals. I'm an all-star. And I said to Ronnie Francis, I go, wow, man, I don't, I don't think I know anything. And he's like, yeah, there's a lot to learn, isn't there? <laughs> you're right. Like, you go up there and you're just like, how are these guys so good? But right, right. They're the Lemieux and Yager and Francis and you know everybody, and you're just like, wow, you know. Hey, did y- did Yager have the biggest legs in the NHL? I heard that guy just squats like 700 pounds. Yeah, he had big legs. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they were officially the biggest legs in the NHL. I never really, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Yager was was uh, he was okay. He was a little cocky towards me, you know. But like, I'll tell you what, man. When I went up to the Penguins, a couple, like, three camps and a few cops, Mario Lemieux could not have been nicer to me. No kids. Okay. And, and the thing about, we call him Ace, but he, he, was, he was, guys were, like, afraid to talk to him. Like, he was like Elvis in a way. Like, he'd enter that room and, like, everybody would go quiet. But I had a couple little things with him. Like, one time, I tell this story a lot, uh, in preseason, um, I was sitting in the middle of the bench. We call that the grocery stick. That's the guy that doesn't play. He goes, you know, <laughs> defense and the forwards. So I was the grocery stick guy. And an ace scored and he came off and he, everybody slid down and he bumps into me. And I bump, I bump back into him and he looks over at me. He's like, what are you doing kind of thing? And I, and I said, my agent told me to sit close to you so I could get on TV. And <laughs> he looked up and the camera's on us and we both started laughing. Like I had a few little interactions like that with him. And, yeah. and he was, whenever I got called up, he'd, he'd be nice to me. Like he'd come over when I was coaching and wheeling um, recently, last couple of years, he's the owner of the Penguins. I'm at camp and stuff. He'd come up and, you know, make me feel like he remembered who I was. Probably didn't, but it was nice that he's a real classy guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. was young. He was doing his thing. He didn't really have a lot of time for me. He chirped me a little bit. Like, um, you know, one time I remember in a, in a newspaper article, he's like, Oh, Jeff is our Hercules. He came up to save us. And I'm thinking, like, you know, great, dude. I'm I'm in the minors. I'm trying here, you know, like right. Yeah, right. Mr. Leg Strength. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Squats <Mr>. Leg Strength. <laughs> y- Yaramir. Yaramir, don't call me leg strength. Yager. Yeah. <laughs> I just love those. We had uh we had Jody Shelley on, who also lives down there in the Columbus area and he works for the Blue Jackets. We had him on a couple weeks ago. Uh, and uh, the call-up stories are always great, right? His call-up story is, as an enforcer, his call-up story was, you're strictly getting called up to fight one specific person, and then we're sending your ass back to the minors. So you get called up for one game, yeah. and it gets sent back to the minors. But the, it, it's just, uh, you know, those those, especially in hockey, you know, I guess maybe in baseball, because there's a minor league similar, you'll get the pitcher that has to come up for one spot start or something like that. But the stories aren't really all that great. The stories in hockey are great. Like, you're going to come up, you're going to fight that guy, and then you're going to get on the bench, and then we're sending you back to Syracuse. Here, and then here's your ticket. Yeah, yeah. Here's your ticket home. Hey, I did the same thing in Pittsburgh. Um, Dave Roach and I were, uh, you know, Roach, he played a little bit with the Pens, big, tough guy, good guy. Um, we were in Montreal. It was, a, it was a famous game. You'll see it on TV every once in a while. Like, Lemieux got, like, four or five points in the third period or something like that. We had seven five. But I went out and fought Craig Reve. Roche went out and fought 
And then we kind of got on a roll. We ended, we ended up short, but it was like one of those special nights. Lemieux in Montreal, like I had goosebumps. The fans were cheering. It was like so crazy, right? Craig Patrick after the game. Guys, hey, thanks. You did a good job, you know, but here's your ticket. And we were actually flying back to Orlando. Cleveland was down in Orlando, so it wasn't too bad. But it's still like, no, I don't want to go. I want to Right. This is nice. It's fun. I did, I, I, did, I, I did a good thing. I did a good thing tonight. Let me stay. Don't squash my dreams. <laughs> I did good, coach. I did uh, right. Yeah. And you know, that, that was the thing about that uh, seventh year pro was I finally got to stay up a little bit. You know, throughout my whole career, it always been up and down or whatever, you know, briefly. But yeah, got up there, and this was so important to me in my life and, and hockey and everything, was I got to stay for a while, three, four, five, I yeah. forget what it was. Yeah. I looked around one day, and I said, these guys aren't that much better than me. I, I, I could be here. I could, I could play here and, and do well. And, like, the one game, I, you know, regular season game, I had a goal and assist and stuff like that. It's like. Once you get up to speed, because again, skating was never my thing. Um, it took me a minute to kind of catch up and figure out how to play. But uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like, yeah, I could have been one of those guys. But again, what are you going to do? You know, like how, how are we going to say what it is? You know, so. And you know what? What's the percentage of human beings alive on this planet ever that played one game in the NHL? Point oh 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 one percent of people ever have played at one game in the NHL. I mean, like. It's an incredible feat, an incredible accomplishment. And, it, you know, just being guys hypothetically in the garage drinking some beers talking, it begs those just stupid fan questions of like, you know, as you're sitting on the bench playing with the Pens, you know, who are those guys not on the Penguins? Because you played with Lemieux and you played with Yager and all that. But who are those guys that you're watching for other teams that you're just like, holy shit, that is just the greatest hockey player I've ever seen in my whole life. So I played against them all except Gretzky. And yeah, I never got to play. I played against um, Messier, Coffee, you know, all of them, Bork, everyone, talked, you know, all from that era. Uh, Brett Hall. I had I played two shifts one night in St. Louis. Had a great seat to watch Brett Hall. I mean, it was great. Front row, right there. Wow, there he goes. Look at him. Woo, he's fast. But um, <laughs> um, you know, the one guy for me was uh, Alexi Kovalev. When he, wow. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So we were in Utica and I was always like, how could those guys be that much better than us? Like how could those NHL superstars be that much better? And then this guy came over from Russia and played in Binghamton and we held him to six points. Like held him. He could have oh, wow. had a dozen. And I was like, yeah, that guy's better than me. Like that's good. <laughs> He's just sick, right? Like just, but again, like you said about Jody Shelley, you know, I always felt like I, I, I had the penalty minutes, I had the assists, I had the goals, so I contributed, you know, in more ways than just one. And I hope, you know, I was always the greatest teammate. But I, that was, you know, I hope that I was remembered as a good teammate. So, you know, there's different things that you bring to the team. Um, it's not just about the skill or whatever it's trying to be a good teammate and, and a good friend yeah you know like i said you have good teams and bad teams but uh ultimately i mean i talked to a guy tonight that i was rookies with I, he called me tonight i, I keep in touch with the guys because these are the guys we've been through the years with and, and had so much with jock callen and i we talk all the time you know uh all the guys chris longo mike tamburo dave McElwain, 
all the guys, all, those lumberjack guys were awesome. We had so much fun. Those three years, like from 94 to 97 were the greatest years. Like you said, man, in hockey in Cleveland. Yeah. So much fun. And I'm so happy yeah. and, and proud that I was part of that. Well, let's bring it back. Now let's bring it into Cleveland. Uh, let's talk about the Jacks. Uh, you brought up Gretzky, and we've talked about Lemieux, and that reminds me of, I think it was 89 or 90. It's the first hockey game I ever went to in my whole life. They had a preseason game in Richfield Coliseum in Cleveland. It was Gretzky versus Lemieux. That's the first hockey game I ever went to. It was the greatest, one of the greats. I, I was only like five. Yeah. And I still can tell you about that game. Like, it was just the craziest most incredible sports experience ever. Uh, and so I think stuff like that, uh, all of a sudden the Lumberjacks come in. And again, it was this push with the IHL. The IHL was part of, the Lumberjacks have been around for a long time. It was this push with the IHL to get into bigger markets. Mm -hmm. So they were pushing into bigger markets. Like, I don't think the Lumberjacks were in like Muskegon or something Muskegon, like that. Yeah. And then they pushed them into Cleveland to get them into a bigger market. And for a while it worked. Uh, and I tell you, I grew up growing up a lumberjacks, like going to lumberjacks games and stuff. It was, I, it was this crazy, you know, you hear about Cleveland and Cleveland sports is Browns. Uh, at the time, the lumberjacks were really good or succeeding or, or successful in their own right. The Indians were great. Uh, the Cavs were okay. Uh, and, and, and the, the building was new. Um, and I remember going to lumberjacks games and the only tickets you could get were like, you go up to buy a ticket and they'd be like, uh, upper deck, which end do you want? Right. That yeah. was back in the day. They used to open up the upper deck. They don't even hardly do that anymore. Even for the monsters, they used to open up the upper deck for seats. So, uh, you know, the experience, what was your experience playing Cleveland? What did you think when you, when you first were coming to Cleveland, like Cleveland hockey, eh, like, what were you thinking coming into Cleveland? <laughs> oh, um, I had a, I had a chance to sign with, um, it was Winnipeg and Fort Wayne or Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And I took, I took Pittsburgh and Cleveland. It was more money down in the minors. And again, it was like, uh, you know, like, holy mackerel, I'm going to get to play with Lemieux, you know? Well, didn't really work out that way, but it was, that was the thing. So I got sent down to Cleveland in 94. Um, it was the, uh, the lockout year. Yes. And, uh, I think I had a really good camp in Pittsburgh, but everybody on a two-way deal got sent down. Yeah. So uh, we actually closed the Richfield Coliseum, but we played the last game there, the exhibition, and we opened up what we called Gund Arena back in Yes. You know, it was like, a, it was, um, you know, the, the venereal disease, Gund Arena. <laughs> <laughs> you take enough road trips down to Amarillo, Texas, and you know a thing or two yeah, about yeah, Gund Arena. Arena eventually. Chad but, woke up with it after a 72-ounce steak. <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if it was the blonde or the cow. But. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, we opened up the gun, and um, the thing about the Jacks were the first year, it was it was still the black and the gold of Pittsburgh. Yes, and then like you said, the IHL had a great marketing campaign. I switched my number to seventy-two because my football player, his number was seventy-two. High numbers were becoming a trend. We switched to the blue and the white and the yellow. Uh, whatever Jack's colors, the new logo. There it is. Yeah, Buzz. Larry Land, uh, Larry Gordon. 
the former owner, the guy who went from Muskegon. I, I loved Larry. I, I absolutely loved Larry. He was an old school guy. He would he'd be up in his office at, in the gun smoking cigars. And I'd go up and hang out with him in the, in the afternoon and just listen to the stories. I'd go up and answer the phones. For, for the secretary, I'd, I'd be like, hey, Cleveland Lumberjack, how can I help you? You know, <laughs> but, uh, but um, Larry was the best. And I'll tell you, he was such a smart man. He hired Len Komorowski, yep. now the president of the Cavs, right? And Kerry yep. Bluebolts, who's the president of business operations in Vegas, and, and Tracy, and all of, the, all of the people, Ken Mather, all of these great, Randy, and, and everybody. And it was just first class, you know? Uh, for a minor league operation, and I just I loved Cleveland. And there's a Facebook group I'm part of. I think it's like Cleveland Nostalgia or something. Flats and all that stuff. If you weren't around back then and experienced the Flats, in, and the, 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 like you said, man, the Indians games were sold out. The Browns left and came back in the '90s. Cleveland in the '90s, you cannot. You can't right. describe how great it was. And yeah. I, I felt like I just hit the, the I just hit the nail right on the head, right at the right time. Well, it had to have been cool. Like, again, as a guy that's spending time in the minors, it just had to be cool to, like, all of a sudden you're jumping into this. It's 94. You're jumping into this brand-new arena that's built for, you know, the Cavaliers. And you're right in downtown Cleveland in this. Remember, it was Gateway, and it was just the 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 most amazing sports complex. Had to have been awesome to jump into that in minor league hockey. It was great. It was great. And then we'd bring in the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, and there'd be 17,000 yes. down there. And, and, you know, like you said, like we'd average 15,000 <laughs> people. And it was it was just fantastic. It was just uh, – it was absolutely incredible. We, we I, I bought a house. A good friend of mine, Greg Lasoko, he's a realtor, top realtor on the west side. Great guy. I've, I've been friends with him since 94. I, I was I made him show me 24 houses. I bought or no, sorry. I, I made him show me 45 houses. And I bought Woo! bungalow for a hundred grand in Fairview Park. And that was hours. Yeah, buddy. Right on, I was on West 227, right down the street from by George. Yeah, you probably don't remember that part, but on Sunday nights, all the Browns guys would go in there. It was packed. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh man, it was the great. The corner of Lorraine Road and 227th now is called East Coast Custard. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> East Coast. Country. And there's a bar. I don't know if it's the same bar, but there's a bar called Bonnie's. Uh, I don't know if that was. Well, Bonnie's is awesome. Bonnie's is right around the corner. Yeah. So, because we used to practice out in the river. So. Uh, oh, that's right. You did practice. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, man, it was it was just the best time. And the thing was, I played in London, Ontario, which is literally on the other side of the lake. And I remember in the '80s, the late '80s, watching Cheers on Channel 43. And now yes. I'm thinking in my head, I am not only going to move to Cleveland someday, but, you know, some people, their words, LeBron before LeBron, I don't know if that's true, if I was or not, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, we still talk about you like that to this day. Yeah, we still talk about you like that. I'll tell you the story of my, my, my nickname. So when I, when I turned pro, I, the very first day. I screwed up a couple drills in practice. I was Jughead. Four years. Oh, Jughead. Jughead. Like, come on. So I came to Cleveland, and the guy said, well, what do we call you? And I said, eh, really, I don't want to say. You know, I don't want to get into that. You know, I want to, I want to try to move on. But well, we had this guy, Ed Patterson, 
He was a real character. He liked to give guys nicknames. And so he's like, okay, we'll come up with something. So he says, uh, so, you know, a couple of weeks went on, and all of a sudden they're like, you're like that guy, Rudy. You're always in a good mood. And in Cleveland, I'm known as Rudy, you know, and ah. nickname. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, that's a good one. So, but uh, I, I don't know. Ken just started calling me Mr. Jeff Christian at, at some point on the announcements. Okay. And again, another character, like you could do a whole podcast on that guy with that big boom voice and just, just, a, just a character down there at the rink. Just a great dude. Yeah, I heard Ryan Pritt call you that the, the the one game you were here with. Who did you who did you come here with in the AHL? Because I know you played. Uh, gosh, I can't even. But but you got in the penalty box, and I heard you say, "Mr. Jeff Christian in the box for two minutes for I don't even know." Is that when you came for, but the, yeah, you I, played I, for the Barons for a minute. No, I played for the Barons, but I came back. I I got called up to Rockford. That's it. That's I got called up from Rockford. Oh yeah. My first game was back in Cleveland, and I scored. And, <laughs> yeah. and I hadn't been in, like I I hadn't been in the AHL since '94. So yeah. I said it was the longest goal scoring drought in the history of the American Hockey League. It was seventeen <laughs> years between goals. <laughs> the coach was Bill Peters for for Rockford. The guy who got in all the trouble for the racial stuff recently. And yeah. Yeah. He did not think I was funny. He didn't like me at all because I was old. <laughs> I, I, I was like 37 years old. I, I shouldn't have been there, but they called me. And they're like, yeah, come on up. We need an older guy, you know, playoff run and all that stuff. I'm like, sure, why not? But the reason I came, I went up was because the first game was in Cleveland. I'm like, I'm going. It's like I'm going home. And I started yeah. my first game back. I was like, oh, man, this is so great. Hey. Hey, you stayed hungry. You know, they all, they don't call it the always hungry league for nothing. Always hungry. All right. Always. <laughs> the always hungry. <laughs> you know, Cleveland was cool. The lumber. Here's why the lumberjacks, I think were so cool because they have these guys, like when you think of like minor league sports, you think of guys like coming through, stopping for a year, two years, moving, coming through, stopping for years, two years, moving. Well, the lumberjacks had these guys and you weren't even, I mean, you were here for a while. It's not like you were here for 10 years, but you were here for a while there were just were these guys that just were here for, for years and years and years. And maybe that's not ideal, but you talk about Jock Ellender. He was here for like, he was a lumberjack between Muskegon and Cleveland for like, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. Uh, yeah. And yeah. between you and, and, and uh, who else was on those teams? God, now I'm, now I'm drawing blanks, but you, Dave McCaleck was on that team for a while. Yeah, Dave McCaleck. Uh, like, what Perry Gancher, it was like Perry Gancher. He he yeah. retired from playing and became a coach. But Jack's still in town. Uh, he's like you know management with the with the um, the, monsters. the monsters with the monsters and, and you know again there just were yeah. there were so many of those players. Guys. Yeah, there were just so and, many of those players that just were around. Like you could actually it, you could dig into a minor league team and like actually feel like you like knew who was on the team and get to know the players a little bit. That was awesome about the the lumberjacks. And that's the secret about having success in minor league hockey like not a lot of teams make money you know uh right. you can get the guys to stay and and become part of the community and i'll tell you what guys like i mean i i kind of look back on my career so after my three years uh with the penguins i had a big year there i had 11 games in the nhl and and i was still 27 larry gordon offered me a four-year deal and um and i turned it down and, and i signed 
with their with the Coyotes because I still wanted my shot in the NHL. I still had that dream, you know. Right. Um, but looking back, probably should have signed that deal and stayed in Cleveland. You know, like that was home. You know, start start yeah. investing in the community and 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 really putting down roots, like you said. Uh, but yeah, Larry Larry offered me that four year deal and I turned it down. But like I did return a couple years later and it was different because Larry had sold the team and uh, there was a different affiliation. Yeah, and everything was everything was different. And the IHL played I think one more season and then folded. Yeah. So let's talk about. I want to talk about your best season with the Lumberjacks, where you go forty forty, which is in sixty nine games. You go 40 goals, 40 assists in 69 games. That is incredible. That's insane. So what's your feel as you're going through this, do you just feel like uh, you talk about a little bit with like basketball where sometimes you watch a basketball game and a guy, it just gets hot and it's like throwing the ball out of a boat into the ocean, like just splashing the ball into the ocean. Is that how you're feeling that whole season? Well, let me ask you this. You guys have been around sports. Why do you think I had such a big year that year? It's I mean, contract year. So here's what happened. I stopped going out on Sunday nights at by George and Fairview. Fair. Monday morning, I wake up. I'm like, why do I feel so good? This is weird. That's- but no, I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm like ready to go. Good. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I was I was 27. I was comfortable. I had a leadership role in the team. We had great players. I mean, we had an all star team there. And um, yeah, I just hit my stride. And uh, maybe I was a little more focused because it was a contract year. But um, yeah, at one point there, I was on pace for I think 50 goals and 300 penalty minutes. And then I got called up to to the NHL. And I remember that story. That's another good call up story. Pittsburgh was calling up everybody else but me. And I was leading the team. I was the only guy in pro hockey to lead the team in goals, assists, points, and penalty minutes. And I'm doing like, I'm literally doing all I can, okay? But I'm not getting called up. And they called up a couple guys, and I went into the coach's office, and I said, guys, I just want you to know I'm not bad. I understand how it goes. The draft picks, I'm not. I get it. I'm not going to tank. I'm, I'm going to continue to to do what I'm doing. And the next day I got called up. And, oh. and I was like, okay, here I go. And I, and I got to stay for a few weeks. And that was that season where I proved myself that I could fit in at some, you know, some spot in the NHL. But yeah, man, it was just, everything was just came, came together that year. And it was, uh, it's one of those things, you know, you talk about like, uh, goal setting and and positive thinking and things like that and and you don't you don't think you can do it until you do it and then you're like it wasn't that hard you know what I mean like years later I scored 55 goals at age 36 in Youngstown and I never scored 50 goals in my life and when I did it I'm like it wasn't that hard you know that, that, year, right. that 96 97 year it was just one of those years I mean I the last game of the season. Was in was like a nothing game. We were at home. I got a goal and two assists playing defense. I played defense the whole. Oh, I mean, oh, I was like, and I didn't have any bonuses or anything like that at all in my contract. It was just just playing to play, you know. And and it was, yeah. it was that was what. Yeah, I don't know, man. I had so many years. I I mean, it was a great year. It, and 
again, listen, all of my individual achievements aside, the best part of those that year were the guys. Yeah. We had absolutely the best bunch of guys. Yeah. God, you, you just, you threw me back earlier when you talked about how, because you did, you used to practice early mornings. You'd practice, practice at the Rocky River Ice Rink. And I remember I was, I, I grew up in Rocky River. And I was one of those kids that would be there standing against the glass because you could just go in and watch the practice. And for real, like if you do not remember this, or if you weren't part of it, or if you didn't live in Cleveland, the Lumberjacks at that time, like it was a big deal. It was a ticket in town. They averaged, like there was one year they averaged like 10,000 people a game. And that's like weekdays. And on the weekends, that place would be packed. Oh, Cleveland's Cleveland's an underrated hockey town. I mean, even the Monsters get... You know, anywhere yeah. from six to fifteen thousand people, depending on the day. Cleveland's a much better hockey town than people give it credit. Oh God, for. I so, used to remember. Yeah, uh, my mom would wake me up and she'd be like, "Before school today, do you want to go watch the Lumberjacks?" Like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and it was just right down the street from the house. You'd just go watch them practice. Oh God, man, you threw me back there. That was, that was, and then and then that was the scene of me like Friday night skates, holding hands with the girl, yeah. and on that ice rink, man, that was. The, that was the place. Uh, Me too. The disco ball. At the, 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 the disco ball at the top of the ice. Oh room. yeah. You're holding hands with the girl around. Oh yeah. Um, and then trying to show off, and I wasn't a good skater either. Trying to show off, and then just falling and crashing into the board and stuff. Yeah, that's that's how that went. That was my childhood. Uh, no, but Jeff, that's exactly how I did. No, but Jeff, <laughs> um, no, but Jeff I totally feel you. You know, you, if if you're an athlete and you endear yourself to the people of Cleveland, I mean, you're basically like family here. Like people just want to have you over your house for dinner, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's not you don't get treated like a, you know, you don't get treated like a like a, I don't know, uh, like someone who is above you. People just want you like you feel like family yeah. in Cleveland. That's that's part of why I, I I what I love about this city as well is is, is just the friendliness. Well, I I mean I I was the guy like I told Ted Major who was the senior marketing whatever corporate sales guy I said I'm your guy like let's go. Hospitals, schools, yeah, man, radio. I'm the guy, and and I did that, and I and I loved it. You know, like I am. I it's not something that I had to like think about. And uh, I mean, I I remember calling in the WMMS with uh, with uh, what was his name there? Um, was it Jeff and Flash still when you were there? Uh, was it Jeff and Flash? No, it was. Um, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Robert? All in. And I'd be like, hey, I, I want, you know, this is Jeff Christian. I want to request a sign. He's like, let me put you on the air. Hang on a second. You know, I was like, <laughs> and, and like, I would go home to Hamilton, Ontario, and I was nobody. You know, I couldn't get a free drink. I mean, I couldn't go for free. Like, you go down to the basement on a Saturday night in the 90s? Ooh. Like when you were dancing on top of like washers and dryers. Yes. Yes, I was. You guys all got their jerseys on. Um, you could not miss at the basement in the 90s. And it was just fun. And that was the thing about my place out in Fairview was after hours. So I had the hot tub. Oh, yeah. And everybody would come out to Fairview. And I would make like spaghetti dinner about 2.30 in the morning for everybody. <laughs> this is a true story like i've talked about this before but we used to have hats only hot tub parties so hats only, hats only. <laughs> i don't know if you know this but hooter girls and hockey players get along really well together really? They do. <laughs> for some reason it's just a thing 
Gunda and, uh, and we just we just had so much fun and you know it, we laugh like those guys that were there it's just like you just you, like even today you'll see you'll be like remember like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't talk about spaghetti gandarina yeah that was me that was me whose wings and hats <laughs> honey what do you have that hat that says hats only don't hats worry only, baby. don't worry about it i used to have this grand puba hat that i got at orlando that was my hat i had the big from the the grand puba hat but i had a whole everybody had one construction worker military hat and a whole bit right oh god a oh, blast that's great well you yeah. finished Listen, man, you finished, what, fourth all-time Lumberjacks history in points uh, behind some pretty good players, Jack Ellender, uh, Dave McCaleck, Brett Harkins, good players. Wait, uh, Harkins finished, finished in front of me? He did in points. Oh, I'm going to smack that guy next time I see him. You should. You should. But, but you finished ahead in goals. He, had, he just had a boatload of assists. Those were all phantoms, we call him, and he wasn't even at he wasn't even the rank that day. He got assists. <laughs> No, Harks was, I, I talked to Harks all the time. Great guy, obviously Cleveland, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very in, involved in hockey still with the Bruins and things. Uh, great, great playmaker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, really, really good playmaker. A lot of respect for his talent. But um, here's the thing about, I'll tell you about Jock and Boris, Dave McKay, like we called him Boris. Those two guys, when I came to Cleveland in 94, okay, I this is my uh, fifth year pro. And in the American League, the year before, I was like 15th in the league in scoring. You know, I had some, right. and then I saw how these two guys played. And and Jocko, I mean, he couldn't skate from here to there. Like he was not a smooth skater, but he had the heart of a lion, and just the determination and the grit, and and the way that they went around their business every single night. It, it really, I mean, they taught me how to be a pro, show up for work. Wow and perform and i got so much respect for those guys um and i mean boris dave mccullough i mean that guy could score goals like they actually those two guys i'll tell you something i've never heard anybody in hockey talk about this before they invented a thing that's commonplace now called we call it pop or pass off the pad so if you if yeah. you're coming down on one angle and the other guy's coming in from the other angle jock would literally shoot it off the goalie's pad so it would bounce right to boris and he'd score they Oh, geez. Like they were doing that back in the nineties before now it's commonplace. You teach it, but I never heard of it before. Those two guys, I don't know where they got it from, but. Jeff, I got a, I got a question for you about Jocko. Cause you know, anytime I see him around the hallway, he's just real quiet, just kind of to himself. Uh, like, like just, just kind of puts his head down. I mean, he might look at you and kind of nod at you. Was he always such a, just a quiet guy? Like, did you have to kind of, break down the walls and then he was like one of these guys that was a joker or was like what was was he always that quiet or was he a kind of a you know an outgoing guy no he's always been real quiet reserved you know just uh-huh. professional you know but, but i mean he'll yuck it up with you but he's not yeah. he's not like me you know he's not naturally blessed. yeah you know he's not he's not that guy he's just but he i mean guys love them now remember like jocko when I got there, you know, I was the guy, I was the single guy, right? And Jock was married. So, you know, he he was, we were telling the stories about what happened at the basement the night before. Jock wasn't really there. So he kind of lived seriously through us. But uh, no, just and a great teammate, would do anything. He When I came back in, um, excuse me, in 99, he let me live in his house for a while. 
That's, that's the kind of guy he is, man. He is just the absolute best. And I'm so happy to see when I go to the Monsters games and stuff that they treat him with the respect that he deserves because he yeah, absolutely. in hockey. Yeah, well, yeah. listen, I, I think it's incredible in a major league arena uh, to have somebody's jersey retired uh, from a minor league team. And his jersey hangs up there in, in, in the arena with, uh, with the great Cavaliers of all time. And, and it will be immortalized up there. And I think that I, I thought that was so cool when they decided to put a jersey number up there from, from a team that the city loved from the lumberjacks and, and, and Jock was just synonymous with that. And, and still with the, with, uh, with Cleveland here, uh, today. So, uh, I, I would be incredibly honored to be part of that. You know, like I didn't realize I was fourth all time and lumberjack, you know, listen, third and goals, third and goals, but I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I'll, I don't know who I got to make the checkout to, but a sizable donation to, you know, I, like like you said, with, with, I think I think Boris Day Mikhailik is up there as well, and he should be, and some of the greats from the Barons of the past and things like that. But Jocko definitely to me is is Cleveland hockey, just the absolute Matt Matt Bettinger, uh, care of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cleveland Monsters. It's <laughs> fine. Just let's get your number up there. The Monsters <laughs> do a phenomenal job. I. Oh, yeah. I yeah. two games, man. The game ops and the, the production of those games is incredible. It, it really reminds me of, like you said, man, going to the, the Jacks games back in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but I, that's why I've tried to come say hi to you like a couple times when you've been at the Jacks games, but I'm part of that crew now, like that scoreboard crew, like that game ops crew. And I'm just like, I got to go. Like every year when the Jacks night comes up, I'm like, I got to go say hi to Jeff. I'm going to go say hi to Jeff, but you're, I don't have that much time bring, when I walk your, around, but you like you're always entourage. surrounded by. You're always surrounded by your paid fans. I'm, <laughs> I'm extremely famous. And, and <laughs> what it is, is when I'm in town, LeBron's guys will come and hang with me just to sure. what For sure. she was like. Listen, right. Right. I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but I'm pretty famous. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was a C-list, C-list celebrity in Cleveland at that time. C-list. Most of the no. like Romeo, Romeo Travis, Romeo Travis, and I go to right dinner behind, every time. Right behind I'm Leon Bibb, <laughs> me, Jim Tomey, and um, yeah. you know, Jim Sean Tomey. Kemp, Sean Kemp, Sean Kemp, Sean Kemp yeah. was over a lot. Yeah, 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 he loved. I bet Sean Kemp would have loved those hats only hot tub parties. Uh, well, I mean, he definitely loved the women in Cleveland, that's for sure. <laughs> and every other state. Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. you know what? If he's a friendly guy and he's got a personality, I mean. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, and we're going to turn serious here for a minute um, because we want you to tell your story. You've got um, a heartbreaking and yet incredible story. Uh, from your time after hockey, you 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 played for a long time uh, through the 2000s into the 2010s, um, <clears throat> retired in 2011. And I won't tell your whole story because it's your story to tell and, and I'm a stranger to you. Um, but you you had to deal with a very difficult situation with your child. Um, but you've you've had so much good that's come out of it. Uh, and you've done so much work that we want we want to hear about. Uh, so. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what part of that you want to tell, but you know, in losing a child and all that, but uh, 
you know, just kind of talk to us about that part of, of your life and, and how you were able to pull through that and, and what you've been able to do with your Team Ryan Charitable Foundation, which is ultimately what we want to get to. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, we, um, so during my 20th year pro, I was in uh, Kansas City playing in the Central Hockey League at 40. And um, Ryan, who was eight at the time, um, my daughter, um, she was having some headaches. And before practice, my wife had called me and said, you know, Ryan's coming home from school um, with a headache. And I said, okay, something's not right. Like, Eight-year-olds don't get headaches. Like, let's take her to the eye doctor or something's going on. So my wife went and got her, brought her home. It was February 4th, and um, she had a seizure, massive seizure. And called the ambulance. They called me off the ice from practice. Ryan's being rushed to the hospital. Revived her. You know, she was unresponsive. And it took about 10 days or so to find the tumor. And... Ryan was diagnosed with an extremely rare cancer called uh, adrenal cortical carcinoma. So an adrenal gland cancer that is so extremely rare, like maybe 30 cases a year in the United States. Wow. No, no reason why, obviously. Um, we had the surgery to remove the tumor done in Kansas City. And then we became a St. Jude family um, be, uh, with strong recommendations from Brad Maloof. Cleveland guy and Greg Wasilko, uh, Brad Maloof and Craig Wasilko were, were friends. I reached out to Greg Wasilko and said, you know, what, it, and he's like, you have to go to St. Jude. And those two Cleveland guys, friends of mine, helped me get into St. Jude. You have to be referred and everything else. But anyway, we went to St. Jude because it is the best for extremely rare cancers, okay? And I didn't know anything about St. Jude. Big, big, like, St. Jude is amazing, all right? So um, after a three-year battle and eight rounds of very extreme chemotherapy, doxorubicin, cisplatin, heavy, hardcore chemo, Ryan was actually cancer-free, but when it came back, there's no cure. And uh, we lost Ryan um, in 2013 after a three-year fight, almost to the day um, at age 11. So the Team Ryan Charitable Foundation, I mean, it's, it's just exactly what it is. We raise money and awareness for pediatric cancer, um, you know, golf events, um, you know, races, walks, online things. Uh, last year, I actually did a trip to Vegas, which was really successful uh, to see the Golden Knights play the Blue Jackets in Vegas. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just awful. And I just resigned after three years uh, at St. Jude, but I was a parent volunteer. And what I would do is I would all recently bereave parents. Um, and uh, just, you know, being a dad and being someone who lost a child, hopefully you can give them a little hope, you know, that, look, I've, I've been through this. I know it's awful. There's, you're changed forever. Nothing is, nothing is going to be what it once was. But you can get through this, okay? And you can find some happiness in your life. And it's taken me, it, it takes time. It takes years. And there's not a day that goes by that. I don't think about Ryan. Um, I have an eight year old right now. Okay. Mm. Girl, we name our, we name our uh, girls boys names just to confuse everybody. Sure. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I thank God every day for Tyler. I yeah. love being a dad. It's, it's the only thing I want to do in my life, right? Spend time with my child. 
and I appreciate every single moment, and I'm so lucky that I've got her. Um, but, you know, the, here's the thing. Like, we talk about hockey, and it's like, well, if you would have played in the NHL, maybe you wouldn't have had this experience, and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I lost Ryan, but when Ryan got sick, we decided to have – Ryan always wanted to be a sister or have a or, – or be a big sister. And so Tyler – and as tragic and awful as it is that I lost my daughter, thank God every day for the one that I've got. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just, right. the, I think you've got to go through life with a, um, a really a, a grateful heart and a, and a gratitude. Um, and, I, and I try to help the people who have lost children and I can speak to them, um, you know, on their level because I've been there. And I, I pray that, no, you know, nobody should lose a child it's just absolutely the worst thing in the world that you could wish for someone you know it's just awful terrible but if i can help someone get through just one more day i i would do that i anybody you know any any way i could help because so, so many people helped me get through it i and I, that that's the one thing about me was i was really arrogant you know really focused on myself uh, for a long time, you know, through hockey and things like that. But what what cancer did, what Ryan's cancer did to me personally, it humbled me in a way that I had to accept charity. Pe- like people would like the team in Missouri, that the the Kansas City Mavericks now, but the Missouri Mavericks back then, they raised thousands and thousands of dollars for us, and they just handed you this check, and you're just like, thank you, and it's it's humbling to say thank you to and be grateful to people and, and if i can pay that back in, in any small way because like i said so many people help me so that's what we do we try we we, we, we try uh we're small you know we're we're we're, we're trying uh, to to raise money and awareness for extremely rare cancers and and i love you know i love nationwide children's i do work for uh, princess margaret up in toronto um, Children's Mercy in Kansas City, you know, Cleveland Clinic, but ultimately, I'm a St. Jude guy because I've well, been there. And if you haven't been to St. Jude and tour that hospital and see those families, it'll change your life. Like, yeah. it's yeah. such an unbelievably positive place for what is going on there. And when you take money out of the equation, like they're not in your room every five seconds asking you for your 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 information. You take money right. out of the equation. Like we had insurance, but we're only seventeen percent of people who go there have insurance. Right. Right. Put the bill for you know trillions of dollars. You really feel like they want you to win. Yeah. The right. child to live, and it, it's just to have that hope is incredible. So, you know, we, we were yucking it up earlier and stuff. And, and I, I learned this in my, my speaking, you know, it was like, you got to go one direction or the other. I mean, you did a good segue there by, by setting it up and saying, okay, here comes the, here comes the left hook, you know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. this is not fun and games. Like, and I, I did that to people. I would start speaking about, you know, hockey and telling stories. And then it was like, oh, and I'm also a St. Jude person because I lost my daughter. And it was just like, what? wait a minute yeah so you gotta kind of let people know what lane you're in are you that funny hacky guy or are you the the guy who lost his his child so you know thank you for giving me the opportunity to to speak about it um 
I don't know, man. I mean, we're just, we're, like I said, teamryanfoundation.org. We're, we're just a small little charity that we're just trying to, to do some good. And I think we've raised, you know, over the years, probably two to 300,000, which is good. I was, I was just going to say, you keep calling, you keep calling yourself small. And listen, I know, I know there's massive charities that raise millions and millions and even more, but you've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and that's, that's all, it's you and it's your family, but that's all, that's all a legacy for your daughter too. And, and that's incredible. Right. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you, I know it's small in comparison to <clears throat> some of the other crazy big ones, but like there's, that's no small feat at all. You had the, fa- the fact that the fact that you even did that as a small charity, like you said, is just incredible. Jeff. Uh, well, we, we appreciate it. It's a drop in the bucket for what we owe. Yeah. It, it is, it, yeah. it is a, you know, from what St. Jude and so many people gave to us, we could never pay it back. And, and the, I'll tell you, the one thing mm. he gave us was hope. And, and, it, and we really believed every single day that she was going to live, even to the very end. We, we, yeah. Yeah. There, was no, there was no solution for us. There was no, um, but we really believed it. And I'll yeah. tell you what, man, I, and I'm not going to, I can't tell you, I've never really spoke about what it's like. I was there. I carry her. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and someday I'll write right. about it, but it, it was awful. And yeah. just raise some money that, you know, somebody doesn't have to lose a child. It, well, yeah. yeah, you absolutely wrecked me to the point where my wife came out the other day because <clears throat> we, contrary to popular belief, we do a little research on the show to, to find out <laughs> what we're talking about. I'm sitting yeah, there, right? I'm sitting there reading uh, an interview that you gave. And you wrecked me. My wife comes running out of our office like, are you all right? And I'm like, oh, God, it's going to take a minute. Uh, but it's, it is my hope, too. And I, you said it was your hope. You said one of the things that your daughter always had trouble with was the, <clears throat> the other kids that had cancer, but they were affecting their eyes. Oh. <clears throat> and so there were kids that were, like, going blind and stuff because of this. Neuroblastoma. Yes. And, uh, and you said something to the effect that, that you hope that your daughter's eyes are, are with some other child right now and, and that that child can see. And, and you wrecked me at my dining room table for about <laughs> 10 minutes when, when I read that. But, you know, that's my sincerest hope, too. What a, what a gift that would be. And, and what a story. And, and uh, you know, thank you for coming on with us and sharing that oh. and for everything that you've done. Well, thank you. Yeah, I felt. Follow- I followed every Jeff. I follow you know you and I are friends on Facebook, and I followed every bit of your of your journey with Ryan, and it was just it, it was heartbreaking yet inspiring at the same time, you know it's just her spirit was in, you know incredible through it all, uh, and I I I know I can't say enough about it, uh, and, and it was just it was just amazing to watch and, and see and you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting teary. I think about now. Cause I mean, it's been a few years since we've seen each other, but I have a three-year-old daughter now too. And, and a two-year-old son. So it's just kind of like, Oh God. Yeah, right. But, uh, and that's, yeah. what, that's it, man. Like we got to hug them every single day and just tell them how yeah. important they are and how much we love them. So this is me. This yeah. is what I do. So my eight-year-old calls me on my stuff. Cause she's smart. <laughs> and, and when, yeah. when, when Ryan was sick, we bought a conversion van to drive from Kansas City to St. Jude so she'd be comfortable. Yeah. We used to talk about this van. I, I did. And how much fun it was. And she, yeah. when do I get a conversion van? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I sold my pickup truck. 
I bought this 04 conversion van. Oh my no! Is D Fun Bus, and we oh, did it. yes. And we, we dance and we sing. She puts the back down. We got the lights on, and, and people are like, "That's awesome!" Like, what are you doing? What What are you driving? I'm like, I'm driving the Fun Bus, man. We have that's right. Just a day terrorizing right. roads of Columbus for years now. Yeah, that's right. Defund bus. Yeah, so listen, if you guys want to take this show on the road, I'll come get you on the fun bus. We'll go golfing down in South Carolina. Oh my God, yeah, yes. That's how yes. it works. 100%. <laughs> Yes. Listen, if I don't get a ride on defund bus here at some point, I'm going to be furious. Well, I, I, oh, my God. I said to Tyler, I'm like, is it our fun bus? She's like, no, it's defund bus. And I'm Boom. like, defund bus. Defund bus. So, Damn right it is. Look, that's the thing, man. Like, every day, we just got to say thank you, be grateful, you know. Uh, and and the, to me, I was coaching and wheeling. You know, I got my job, and I'm, I'm there. And I was so miserable and depressed. I'm like, I don't want to be here. And it, it translated. It didn't work out. I, I, I'm just like, I want to be at home with my kid. And, yeah. and I, I mean, right. I just, I, you just, you just come to a realization that there's more to life than, you know, minor league sports or sports in general or anything else. That it just means, in the big picture, you know, what's important becomes very clear. And it's, I'm just, that's me. I'm just so thankful and grateful. And if I can help anybody, I would. I mean, I, I mean, I would put my phone number out there and say, anybody who's struggling right now, yeah. you know, in this, this crazy COVID time, depression, anxiety, whatever, you know, I'll take it all. But especially if you're dealing with a sick kid or you've lost a child, yeah. call me. I mean, I will yeah. be there because I owe a huge debt to so many people. Well, speaking of being thankful and being appreciative, uh, we are so thankful that you shared that story. And I, I know we, we've joked around with Gundarina and, and, and hockey stories and Chad being ass naked on some cow or something. But... <laughs> so hot, so hot, <laughs> so hot. But you know, we really appreciate that's my, it. That's my, that's my only man rocket story I'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> We do very much appreciate you opening us up to us and uh, and 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 telling us that story and give us that website one more time. TeamRyanFoundation.org. TeamRyanFoundation.org. So we're gonna let you go in a minute. Okay, got it. Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna let you go in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, we'll finish on a we'll finish on a sports note. Uh, have you been watch? Are you watching the bubble? Are you watching the the playoffs? No, I. I am actually surprised how much I'm enjoying it. I, I, yeah. like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Nobody's gonna watch this in August. And I, I'm cheering for the Blue Jackets, man. I'm a homer. I don't, yeah, sure. you know, I, I'm so happy. Sure. I get to trip my brothers up in Canada that we knocked out the Leafs. I'm so, <laughs> you know, but they, with the, with the, um, you know, over the stands and the, the uh, you know, the game off stuff, it's really good. It's, I'll tell it you, is. it's nice. We were talking about it coming into this because the th the three of us idiots started our sports podcast right when COVID started because that was smart of us. Yeah, <clears throat> we were talking about it coming into this though, <clears throat> thinking, man, hockey's going to be rough to watch because the crowd plays such an impact in a hockey especially game, especially in playoff hockey, yeah. especially, especially in playoff, playoff hockey. hockey. Yeah, but 
I've struggled with the NBA and I like watching the NBA, but I've struggled with no fans because the, the, that immediate reaction when somebody hits like a game winning shot and the fans right. explode yeah. is just, and they're right on top of the court. I've struggled with that. Uh, baseball, I'm okay with it, but I still miss the fan. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't even really missed the fans of hockey. No. And that's weird, but like that game, the game has been so good and the way that they came back and structured it. It's been like, it, it has been enthralling from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you, 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 what, what I like about it is that they turn the mics down at ice level or the ones that are on yeah. the boards and you don't hear all that background yeah. noise, you know, it, it's just it's right. production. And I, I love it. I think it's great. I really do. My listen for my two cents. I think the national broadcasters are getting better, but I, I again. Oh God, yeah. Like Milbury, I mean, yeah, he was inappropriate somewhat, but that guy had nothing interesting to say. I always felt no perfect face for radio, but I always thought yeah, <laughs> like being a coach. Hey, guy, hey, hey, we did call a couple of games when you got suspended in Arizona. Remember right? that? Right. <laughs> you know, and and. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to get into broadcasting like that, but um, whatever. I just, I know in this era, you can't, you just, like, you just can't be colorful. Like, you just, right. like, you, I mean, you're going to get called out on everything. Um, but I think that the broadcast, the national broadcasts have to, you know, kind of pick up their game a little bit compared to the broadcasting candidates like night and day. Now, I will say, I yeah. enjoy Jody Shelley. He's a friend of mine. Down here in Columbus, I think he does an excellent job. Um, yes. yeah. I, I think they do a very good job down here with the production and everything else. And um, absolutely, you know, I, I'm a fan, man. I, 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 being out of hockey, okay, I, I say that right. Yesterday, I helped a couple of kids get try, tryouts in the East Coast League. But nice. I'm out, like I'm like I got the kid calls yeah. me, and I'm like, I'm out of hockey. I don't. I'm not involved. I, I coach my high school team, the Northeast Storm here in Columbus. I have a ball with that. I love it. Not involved yeah. in pro hockey. And then I, like the kid calls me, I make a couple phone calls and I get it done, whatever. But um, I like to go to the games and have a beer and cheer for the home teams. I love nice. it. I love the game. I love the, I love going to the games. Just in case you're wondering, just a score update. Uh, Tampa is dummying Boston right now. Uh, seven to one Woo! in the third period. Like the game's over right now. You, you, know, <laughs> so, you know who uh, likes Boston. What's that? You know who likes Boston? Nobody. Please say, yeah, nobody. say it. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. Fucking nobody. Uh, so that's why, that's why, like, in the middle of the podcast, if someone hears me go, ooh, like, it was a sweet move by Braden Point. Like, he put on a great move. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just hope somebody punches Brad Marshawn right in the face. Nobody likes that guy. Nobody. nobody how could no. you like that guy? You know what I would do with that guy? I would what would you do? The nose. Well, it's yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's that big, right? You just like chalk. You don't even have to take your glove right. off for that. You right. just, yeah. That's like grabbing a hockey that's stick. What I'm saying, you know, like that's old school. Like you just grab right by the nose. <laughs> it's like, old school. Well, and you know, that's a funny thing. The funny thing you say that is because, like, they showed him at intermission, Marshawn walking in the back because Halak is the number one goalie now. Marshawn grabbed his arm and he was like, "Get the fuck off of me!" But, <laughs> but um, you know, I guess where I was going with that, Jeff, was. You know, the game is so much different now back than, 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 it, than it was back then and so much faster. What are your thoughts on the game now, you know, as opposed to, you know, back in the 90s? Well, uh, okay. 
two nights ago, I watched the 1980 Montreal uh, Canadiens Minnesota North Stars. Yeah. I mean, that's hockey. Okay. Yeah. What we were watching today is not what we were watching back then, obviously, right? It's a different game. Yeah. It, look, their player safety is, is number one. I get that. I, I'm all for that. Okay. But it's hard to watch at times. It's just down, okay. turnover, skate down, turnover, skate down, turnover. Yes. You know, it, it's especially like, a, you know, a weekday game. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's tough for me at times, but yeah, I mean, you want to watch playoff hockey, watch the 93 game seven Leafs and, and Kings, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Doug Gilmore, the, one of the greatest of all time got smoked by Marty McSorley. Like it's just like oh, yes. hockey, you know, but I respect the guys, the skill, the speed, the way they train, you know, uh, it's all, it's all, entirely elevated but old school guys like us we like to see a few hits once in a while yeah right (laughs) that's why i was curious about it because like i you know because you know a lot of the old old school guys like some like it some don't so i was curious your thoughts on it i mean i like it i i I respect it because i i work with some of those guys you know and and yeah camps and things like that recently to see how they train I mean, it, it's, oof, I wish I had a trained like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, they go at it, but as far as the physicality goes and stuff and the grinding of the playoff hockey, it, it doesn't feel like it, but I yeah. think the production overall is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we got, obviously we got the lightning up seven to one flyers tie up the series flyers and Islanders lightning Bruins. I love the West coast stars avalanche. Knights and uh, and the Canucks, just a, a weird bunch of teams. Uh, how about so- the how about Alan Walsh, who I fired in a long career, and he he puts that tweet out, like, and then and then Flurry, the, the like the apparently the greatest teammate of all time, has to go talk to his coaches and say, yeah, sorry about that, my age. <laughs> my my bad. My bad. And then they asked Blake, did you know when he won't answer? I mean, the only the only right thing to do is when your agent does that, is you're fired. You give him the Donald, you're fired. Like you yeah, bye. You, yeah. What are you doing? Right. Like you, you don't do that in, in the greatest team game where being a good right. is the most important thing to all of those guys. Yeah. Right. You just threw right. him under the bus. And it doesn't matter. I mean, if you don't fire that guy, then it's like you're condoning what he did. Right. Like, yeah. right. So what happens? They play the other guy in one, he gets a shutout. Like, how stupid do you look now? That you're criticizing yeah, the coach. Yeah. And the, the goalie got a shutout. Like, I, I just thought that was absolutely crazy that that agent did that. Well, and why would you do it now? Yeah. Like, it's not even a contract year. We've talked like about a, this. We've covered this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're trying to get money. How could you even do that? You're going to get paid. We've still got another year, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, my Flurry, here's the thing. Like, the Blue Jackets did a really good thing by not paying Bobrovsky. Yeah. Okay. American sports pay for past performance. 
Albert Pujols, you know, great example. You know, don't give these guys, you know, 10-year deals at age, like an old goalie, any goalie over 30 is old, right? Right. Hey, Bobrovsky, you you say thank you and goodbye. Flurry is the same way. Like, contract for next year, but who's going to want him after that? Especially now with this bullshit. So, I, I, I mean... That that was just mind boggling to me. That was but, crazy. Anyway, that's my it, two it, cents. The timing. Okay, uh, first of all, you should never do it. But like the timing to do it in the playoffs like that. Just what are you doing? Why are you sending out a, a coach tweet basically showing? If you're not familiar, Flurry's agent basically put out a tweet uh, saying that Flurry got stabbed in the back by his coach, and it actually had like a picture of a sword going into Flurry's back with the coach's name. It just was. It's a, why would you do that right now? We got we got like yeah. we got like weeks of hockey. So this, and, let's just and, enjoy weeks of and, hockey and you shut up about that stuff. And meanwhile, people forget that Robin Leonard was on the Chicago Blackhawks before he got traded. So it was like, oh, he might he might know uh, some of these guys' tendencies, but uh, you know, never mind that. Never mind that. Yeah, so dumb. So, so how are you feeling? We got <laughs> we got eight teams left, four in the east, four in the west. How are you feeling, you know, watching this? What, what Do you have any predictions? Who do you think comes out on top? You want me to, you want me to give me the old Rocky three? Prediction. Do it. Prediction. Do it. Pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll do a show. This is, I'm writing a script right now where the characters in the movies say nothing but other movie lines. Count me in. <laughs> That's awesome. I could be one yeah. of your actors. So just this, don't put me on camera. This this is us. This is our whole show that we just have to go back and forth. Um, you know what I'm going to say right now, without even thinking about this, I'm going to say Philadelphia Flyers. Wow. Okay. And, and even with how well the Islanders are playing, huh? I love that story, right? You know, right? Their their big guy jump ship. You know, they bring in Lou Lamarell. But I'll talk to you what else I love that just happened. Okay. Reardon the assistant coach in Washington at the time, this is, this is what I have heard, all right? I don't know this guy, but he's a Penguins guy, and I was around there a little bit. I heard rumors that he, he was trying to get Trotz fired. And, and my buddy, Lane Lambert, former Lumberjack, is the assistant coach who always follows oh. Trotz around from Islanders yeah. So he went from Nashville to Washington, now to the Islanders. And Lane Lambert is one of the best guys in the world. Uh, yeah. Great, great. Another one of the Lumberjack guys. Anyway, so I heard that Reardon was always trying to get Trotz fired. He was like the little rat that would run upstairs and tell the GM. Right. And, this, and the guys are saying that, blah, blah, blah. There, oh, my God. The Stanley Cup says, thank you very much. Peace out. Goes to the Islanders. Reardon takes over the Capitals and they fired him two days ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love <laughs> Because I'll tell you and, what. And, I mean, I, I'll tell you guys what, man. In sports, but in, I don't know about sports, but I know about hockey, there are so many guys, especially in management, backstabbing, just really bad people. Yeah. And it, I love it when something like that happens, like, you know, my thoughts brings you the Stanley Cup and you want to take a dump on him? Fine. Right. See you later. I'm going to go here and build something great. Well, 
that's the most confusing part about it. That was the most confusing part about it. But the, you know, the story you just said makes sense. But like, you know, because because obviously Barry Trotz is proving his worth in, in New York. Literally he's, everywhere. He's, 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 he's kind of forming that like reputation where he could go anywhere and win. Like, 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 I, I, like what is it with hockey coaches, uh, Jeff? Like, uh, like, okay, for instance, like who's the best coach you've ever played for? And why was he able to get everybody to buy in? Because it's like, okay, so like, like hockey systems don't change that much, but it's really all about the coach and how he's able to get them buy, get them to buy in. Like, what is it about, a, a, you know, a coach that gets these guys to be like, all right, let's go. Well, um, that's exactly what it is. So when I was coaching, I said, listen, we either have everybody or we have nothing. Right. Yeah. So you have to be very specific about your role on the team and, and you've got to explain that to the player and he's got to accept that role. And if he doesn't, then you've got to find somebody else who will, right? So okay. it's, it's about, you know, leadership and it's about goal setting and it's about buy-in and the good coaches are great communicators, right? That, these, these players today are so knowledgeable with Twitter and Facebook and their age and everybody knows everything it's not like the old days where you didn't know nothing so you've got to be able to communicate and i would i would say to my players i want you to ask me why challenge me because i'm not just sitting in my office throwing darts at a board i we're planning now plans change and you have to be able to yes okay so the good coaches are able to adapt to the situations now you think about the ego you take like a mike solomon Okay. Yeah. Pretty arrogant guy. Okay. Yeah. But a confident guy and a leader who the most important thing about being a coach is you have to first make a decision. And second, you've got to have what we call the intestinal fortitude to stand by that decision, even though it may not go that way. Now, when you get to the NHL, you also have to know how to kiss the superstars butts so you can keep your job right like mike sullivan talks about the first thing that he did when he went to pittsburgh was he went to lunch with Sidney crosby right exactly okay, okay. So right. buffalo just fired everybody so dumb right <laughs> why because jack eichel didn't like the gm or the coach right like it, it is getting to be a star driven league all right so the best coach that I ever had was Dave Tippett. Okay. We, had, we won a championship in Houston in the minors. Um, we had a great team. I'll tell you, at any level, at any level, it doesn't matter. A great coach and a great GM have to get great players. Okay. And yeah. you've got to be able to evaluate where the, you know, the team is lacking. And you've got to go and make the right moves to do that, okay? Um, I was great at that. Communication, um, integrity, you know, walk in the walk. You know, it's, it's one thing, you know, if you're a coach and you say, you know, in for curfew, and then you're, you're the one getting hammered every night. You know, the guys are going to be like, dude, I mean, seriously. So you, you, I mean, you gotta almost be like the hardest working guy because they're watching you, you know. And these guys are smart. 
So Tip uh, commanded respect. He deserved respect, and he got it. Um, he, he, did, he wasn't a loud guy, but he, when he taught, boy, we, we, we all listened. And he was smart and made the right moves, and, and, and it ended up working out. But, um, you know, so there's lots of things that go into coaching. It's, 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 man, I'll tell you what, I never had anxiety in my life as a player like I did when I was coaching. Oh, I bet. I think about all this stuff 24-7. Yeah. Yeah, when you're playing, it's kind of know your role when you go out there, fill your role, be a smart player, be a talented player. But when you're coaching, it's just that you got to have all of that for everybody and the plans. And, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, so for a player, right, we would say we're going to put you in positions to succeed. You're going to play to your strengths. Right. And so you have to identify those strengths and you've got to put the right people. And, and I would say that to guys, I'm like, guys, just let me do my thing. All right. Like buy into what I'm selling here. You know, I, I'm, this is what I'm good at is evaluating who needs to do what in what situation. And again, look, you're not always going to be right, but you've got to have the, like I said, you've got to have the guts and the heart and the balls to stand by your decisions. And, you know, yep. To, to win a championship, there's a lot of things. A lot of it is luck, right? Timing, referee, goaltending. Goaltending is the number one. If you don't have right. goaltending, you got no. I mean, yep. so that's coaching for, you know, two cents. I mean, I could talk coaching all day long. The easiest part of my job in the East Coast League when I was the coach there, because I was like the coaching GM, actually coaching the game. Yeah playing and the video and the travel and the, all of the, the salary cap and the trades and everything else that I had to do for, for two and a half hours, I actually got to enjoy my job and coach. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Other, you know, rest of the time, 20 hours a day. Yeah. I was just like my head was spinning. And then again, we've talked like, you know, I was in a bad place because I was missing my kid. Yeah. Right. And my priorities changed with Ryan. It's just like, I'm not yeah, anymore. You know, as much as I Please. love hockey, and I, I'd love to. I coach a high school team now. It's great. No expectations. Yeah. We have fun. We yeah. we the kids have a good time. We develop. We learn. But mostly, we make it fun. That's awesome. And that's yeah, how it should, level, that's how it should be. So yeah, Christian, you you made your pick. The Flyers. Uh, it's, it's, it's immediately better than your buddy, uh, Jody Shelley's pick who picked the blue jackets that didn't work out. Uh, uh, so, so you got the flyers choice. Uh, you told us some awesome stories about some, uh, I don't know, Chad told us a great story about weirdness. You told us some great stories about, uh, the, the hats only hot tub and, and, and your time in Cleveland. We love that. The basement bar, man. Uh, and again, you told us uh, the incredible story of, of uh, the heartbreaking and yet incredible story of Ryan. Uh, again, teamryanfoundation.org. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, if you want to donate, if you want to help them, you've guys, you've done an amazing job with that. We've had an awesome time with you. We want you to come up. Uh, we're all golfers here. So let's do some golfing. Yeah. Yeah, bring, bring the conversion van up. Yeah, man. Let's do this. Defund bus. Uh, yeah. We can. We know there's enough room in the, for for the golf clubs in there, uh, and any other human beings we want to pick up along the way. Uh, but we really appreciate your time with us. We had a great time with you, and uh, 
we'll have you on again. Hopefully in the future, we can keep talking hockey with you and all that. But uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Jeff Christian, Cleveland Lumberjacks legend on the Garage Beers podcast here. Cheers to you, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, guys. us. guys. I really enjoyed it. Let's do it again. And that was Cleveland Lumberjacks legend, Jeff Christian, number four all-time in points, number three all-time in goals. And uh, uh, we are so thankful for him joining us as we are with all of our guests, but uh, really opening up, uh, especially towards the end of that interview about uh, what he's been through with his family, his daughter, and all the good work he is doing for St. Jude's and then the other hospitals, uh, Nationwide Hospital and the children's hospitals in the area. Uh, hard story to listen to, hard story to hear, but uh, just one of, of hope and inspiration. Uh, and, and some of the other stories he told were awesome too. So uh, thank you again to Jeff Christian uh, for joining us on the Garage Beers podcast. I think that's going to do it for us. Joe, Chad, you guys have anything else for us? You guys, you guys see that uh, realignment idea in, in, in the NFL? Oh, God, what? Yeah, the realignment idea in the NFL, in the NFC. All right, I'll just go through it quickly. Uh, you, in the NFC, you got the, in the Western, you got the Pacific Division, right? It's the Seahawks, Niners, Rams, Chargers. Uh, it's called the Rocky Mountain Division. You've got the Cardinals, Raiders, Broncos, Cowboys. In the Southwest Division, you have the Texans, Saints, Falcons, Titans, Midwest Division, you have got Vikings, Packers, Bears, Chiefs. And then over in the AFC, you, you know, the AFC East, the Northeast Division stays the same as the AFC East. But then you have the Mid-Atlantic Division in the Ravens, Steelers, Redskins, Eagles. Stupid. The Southeast Division in the Panthers, Jaguars, Bucks, Dolphins. And then finally, the Central Division, you have the Colts, Lions, Bengals, and Browns. Okay, so this is just made up by a fucking fan. But it's, I mean, but it's just like, I don't know. It's, in, it's intriguing. It's not intriguing. The minute you take the Steelers and the Ravens right. away from, you really think, do you really think for a second the NFL would take the Steelers away from the Browns or the Ravens away from the Browns? No, no. Then it's no. not, okay. No. Or really, you're going to take the Cowboys away from the Redskins and the Eagles and the Giants? You're not doing that. I, I, listen, I'm down, I'm down for some fan ideas. That one was stupid. Right. Out West, fine, because right. nobody well, gives a shit about the teams out West. But that one? Okay. Oh, well, I mean, you don't give a shit about the teams out West. The people in the, the – the, do you think the, the Rams fans don't? The Chargers play in like a high school soccer stadium. Yeah, the Chargers fans don't give a shit. Like, that's real. That's very real. I, I make me feel bad for them. Anyways, now that we've gotten the dumb fan theory of the way – or of the day out of the way – uh, again, boys, this was great. Again, thank you to Jeff Christian. You want to follow us on our social media? We are on Twitter at the Garage Beers. You can also find us there on Instagram. You can find us individually on Twitter at Garage Beers Mike, at Garage Beers Chad, and at Garage Beers Joe. And you can also find us on our Facebook page as well. Go over there. Tell us what you're thinking. Give us your thoughts. If you want to throw out some other crazy, stupid NFL realignment fucking ideas, go for it. Uh, but otherwise, for for Chad. And for Joey, I'm Michael Keefe. Uh, again, thank you to Jeff Christian for joining us tonight. And we are out of here. We'll see you again next week. Cheers, everybody.